If you are in the 81% of aspiring authors out there, stop aspiring and start writing with Readsy. Readsy allows indie authors to find and work with the best publishing professionals, from developmental editors to book cover designers to publicists. Just sign up for an author profile, browse the extensive marketplace of professionals, find the best fit for your project, and set a collaboration in motion. And with built-in contracts, protection, and mediation from Readsy, finding qualified freelancers, editors, designers, and marketers as a self-published author just got a lot easier. Go to readsy.com today to sign up and set your first collaboration in motion. That's R-E-E-D-S-Y dot com. Honestly, it all stems from just creative fear. I still don't really understand how I do it. I fear not being perfect. That sort of story is inspirational to a lot of wannabe writers out there who feel they have a book in them but are living a totally different life at the moment. I'm watching these students who are given their absolute all, pursuing this creative profession, and they're not held back by fear. Taking a book the whole nine yards, from an idea in your head to words on a page, from a scribble on a napkin to a listing on Amazon, that's easier said than done. But it's also easier than you'd think. I'm your host, Casimir M. Stone, and this is Readsy's Bestseller, the podcast demystifying the process of self-publishing a book for aspiring novelists everywhere, one episode at a time. This is Season 2, Chapter 1, The People vs. Cozy Mysteries. Remember polysemes, words and phrases with multiple meanings like dream and writing? Well, here's another one for you. Selling out. To sell out, in the simplest of terms, is for a seller to sell all of something. Stocks, tickets, uh, you know, best seller. A successful rock band show, for instance, is very likely to sell out quickly. Ironic, then, that accusing a successful rock band of selling out is actually something of an insult. Maybe I'm wrong on this one, but for me, the beast doesn't include selling out. The name sellout, as we know it today, began as a jab around the time of the Great Depression, born out of a combination of economic frustration and desperation at a time when people would sell just about anything to put food on the table, even their neighbors. With the rise of communism, it was adopted by the political left as a critique on capitalism, and by the time the 60s rolled around, when politics and art were all but intertwined, it took on a new life, attacking artists whose works were anti-establishment but who were paid by the establishment to write them. The term's history, naturally, is a little deeper than that, and like any good insult, it can be traced back to Shakespeare. His Sonnet 110 deals directly with the intersection of money and art, and in Henry V, a duke laments that a traitor would, for a foreign purse, so sell his sovereign's life to death and trickery. And of course, the idea of trading your values for money goes back even further, to perhaps the most famous villain in all of literary history, Judas Iscariot. Regardless, if you are a working artist in this day and age and spend any amount of time focusing on the working part rather than the art, chances are at some point you've been accused of selling out. I guess in some ways it makes me sound like I'm a trend chaser. 
that's certainly true for Jen Falls. These days, the career writer is best known as Bella Falls, and she's known for her Southern Charms Cozy Mysteries series. Um, With the play on charms being spells. And it's set in the South. So I was in Okinawa, Japan for three years, which is an island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, not near anything. And if you Google map it, seriously, there's a little dot and there's a lot of ocean around it. So I was place bound a lot for three years. And I started missing home. I started missing my family. Um, It was a long trip, so my family couldn't come to see me, and I got to make a trip once a year. And so I placed this tiny little southern supernatural town right where I grew up in with the pine tree in my head. I could picture this town, and I knew the character because the character is an awful lot like me, maybe. Just a little bit younger. She, I'm adopted. She's adopted. I have an older brother named Matt. My character, Charlie, has an older brother named Matt who looked out for her. It was my way of connecting to my family and my friends being so far away. She's been gone from town for a year. She's coming back. And as soon as she comes back, things go massively wrong with her great uncle she finds him dead and unfortunately he miscasts a death curse and it it lands on her and rather than the person who actually committed the murder and she has she has basically limited time to solve the murder or she loses her life i mean you know if you're gonna start a book in a series you might as well go for it but it's not actually her first series or even her first pen name. And my first foray was not my current pen name and my current series. In past years, she's tried her hand at a handful of genres that, frankly, I had never heard of. Um, Romance was the first market I tried, contemporary romance. I published a 93,000 word book two days before I moved to Japan. And then I also tried Shifter Paranormal Romance because I was reading every single writer. I loved it. It was my guilty pleasure. And I wrote two major novels and a novella in a series. And they did okay. But about the time I published, the that particular market started waning a little bit. And then she settled on another genre, which I had also never heard of. Just off the bat, uh, why don't you tell listeners what cozy mysteries are? So cozy mysteries are a subgenre of mysteries and thrillers. They are specifically they're more of a contained mystery. They most of them have murders, although they don't don't have to. They can have a major mystery. And when I say contained, meaning the setting is not going to be all over the place. It is not a police procedural. It is all about the person who either discovers the body or somehow is involved, and then how that character solves the mystery. That is the meat of a cozy mystery. If I had to give an example, the best one I can give is Murder, She Wrote. A lot of people know Jessica Fletcher in Murder, She Wrote, the TV show. Um, Cabot Cove, where she existed, so small town, um, and then people somehow die in this small town, and then she has this odd job that is not connected to the police, but somehow gets her involved in solving it. And then we are invested in 
how she uses her abilities in order to solve the mystery. Um, now, what I write is called Paranormal Cozy Mysteries or Witch Cozies, and it's a sub-subcategory of Cozy Mysteries where we have characters who use magic and somehow magic is involved in the solving of the mysteries. Either it's a part of the murder or the mystery and or it's the, the character themselves has, has powers that they use. Wildly experimenting with a bunch of different approaches before finally finding the one that works for you, that's something most writers can relate to. But to certain eyes, it might still look like Jen simply went wherever the readers were. And a friend of mine and I were actually going through some of the different markets that were doing well, but were not uh, overly flooded in terms of the amount of authors who were putting stuff out. I'll be honest. At first, I kind of wondered if that was the case, too. So I sat down with Jen to get a feel for her thoughts on how to strike a balance between making money and making art. If you want to make this a career, if you want to make money at it in order to fund writing the next book, then you have to know who those readers are going to be that are going to find your book. No one but the starvingest of artists would deny that a writer should, at some point, think about actually selling their book. But usually that's allocated to a single stage of the creative process, and by extension, a single episode of this podcast, the marketing stage. The writing process, on the other hand, is cloaked in mystery. A writer locks themselves in a study for months and then emerges with the next great American novel. Sure, we might want to hear about how they write, when they write, where they write. I am a home writer in the sense of I write better and I write more consistently when I write at home. I usually typically have a have a room in the house that's my domain, so to speak. Um, my husband may not be so thrilled with my choice this time around because I took the first room when you walk into our house I think it was a formal living room with uh, French doors that have windows. And I basically said, oh, that's my office. Because <laughs> it had floor-to-ceiling uh, bookshelves on one on one wall. And I, I said, that's my office. Um, and, and here I sit. But the idea that they would write with a genre or a reader or a template or formula in mind, the idea that they would write with anything other than their pure imagination, to many, that's heresy. They think that they're going to be hamstrung uh, by these expectations, and it limits them. Yet, in a world where over one million books were self-published in the past year alone, and in a market that has become increasingly oversaturated, it's an idea that's not far from any writer's mind at any given time. It's an idea called writing to market. It's a bit of a skill. Uh, it's called, we call it in our, in our circles, we call it writing to market. It's knowing where your book sits or will be and knowing what reader expectations are and then working your own writing around that. And it's an idea that a lot of people really don't like. How do you balance that working within this framework, but still, um, you know, exercising your creativity, telling your own story? 
And, and and I have to say that that is the biggest struggle, I think. There's a lot of writers who don't like to hear right to market because they think that they're going to be hamstrung uh, by these expectations and it limits them. It's interesting because to hear Jen tell it, there are a lot of expectations surrounding the cozy mystery genre. I knew what the readers of Paranormal Cozy were wanting in the sense of you have a female protagonist. It's a younger woman, so in their 20s or 30s. Um, that's the typical protagonist. It usually has a group of friends that are around that might help. Um, and they usually have a job that is what I would call kitschy. So um, a baker, a librarian, um, something that's cute. Almost always having a pet in a cozy mystery is a must. And, and I have several. You have a murder within the first, you know, few chapters. And, but it's not about the gore of the murder. It's not about um, the police procedural. It's about that main character and how they go about solving the mystery itself. I knew in Cozy Mysteries, you have to have at least one or two red herrings, which are misdirections. Um, and then at the end, the villain has to be caught. Okay, so those are all expectations of readers who read, read Cozy Market. Paranormal Cozy readers, they want magic involved in some way. But while having such an expansive set of boundaries might seem stifling to some writers, having a roadmap to follow could seem helpful to others, especially those like Jen, who are entering a new genre or simply having a hard time writing anything at all. What I would say instead of boundaries is guidelines, because boundaries makes it sound restrictive, and writing to market isn't meant to be restrictive. What it's meant to be is exactly what agents in the traditional publishing world have been doing for years. A trend pops up, so you try to find similar books in that trend, because you know there's already a market for it. Then, over time, you start to look for books that are moving away from that trend and getting closer to a new one. It's just good business, and ultimately, it's about appreciating the reader's ideas as much as your own, and about making sure your words keep their meaning, even when the definition changes. Besides, it's still possible to tell a personal story within a set of guidelines. In fact, sometimes it's even easier. It's, a, it's about seeing that you can be aware of what readers want or expect and still be creative and make it yours. For example, I knew that uh, readers love having pets. Okay, it's not that hard for me to put a pet in, and in fact what I did was I put my two cats in it. But it's not that hard for me to say, I'm going to put something in that I love, and it ticks off, oh, readers like that. So I had all these elements. How I put those together, that's on me. And my book, more specifically, um, I made it incredibly personal because I was missing my family so much. I put our concept of family directly in. There are some things and details in there that come directly from my family. And there's a line, a motto, family motto that gets said over and over, uh, which is blood doesn't make a family, love does. That's that comes from my family. So that's what I did. And I and I managed to make a small southern town with witches and fairies and pixies and gnomes and you name it. They're there. 
Um, and I absolutely, it's a real place in my head. And I, it helped me not be quite so homesick when I was writing it. When the readers read your stuff, it's going to feel like your voice. It's going to feel like your stories. But more for me, I just want to know what they expect. And then I'm going to try to write in my style to give them what they want. I try to tell that to people who who have a knee-jerk reaction when you say write to market and they think, oh, that's going to limit me or, oh, I have to write formulaic. No, you really don't. But you do want to know what those readers are going to want from you because if you can match what the readers want you're going to have readers how long has this idea been around i think the terminology right to market has been around three to four years and there are books on it and there have been um i think some courses on it and stuff uh and you can go and search on Amazon. I think there's actually a right to market book or, or several of them. Um, but within the indie community, I think it's been at least a good three years that we've been kind of bandying about that terminology. And, and, and there are different camps. There are some that completely believe in it. And there are some who, who really don't. Remember how Jen was active in the indie writing community for years before she finally published her own work? In other words, she learned writing not as an art form necessarily, but as an industry, as a career. The more I talk to Jen, the more I realize that's okay. It's okay to write something and want it to sell out. Um, I knew it was a market that had room to grow. I met a couple of, of authors that were doing well within it and talked to them directly. It's a human desire to tell your story. And sure, the operative word there for many of us is your story. We don't want to tell someone else's. We don't want to follow some niche genre's formula that's already been determined for us. Otherwise, is it really even our story to begin with? To a certain extent, in the early days of self-publishing, there was a little bit of fun in, I'm just going to write this and throw it out there and see if I can find readers. The issue is now you have so many uh, books available to readers that just throwing something out there, it may be very hard for you to get it visible. But at the same time, what's the point of telling a story if there's no one to hear it? Or in this case, to read it? I don't want to get into anything without knowing there are readers there that might find my book. What's more, you want to be able to actually tell it, not just sit around for years thinking about telling it, only to ultimately stay silent. The writing process is cloaked in mystery, yes, but that's not because it's magical or paranormal or some ancient craft handed down only to the initiated. The real mystery of the writing process is figuring out how any of us manage to do it at all. Um, it can be incredibly overwhelming, and you might want to throw in every single idea into the pot and hope that you come out with a really good recipe. But it actually is better if you have kind of a, a list of, of ingredients put, to put in there at first. All writers run the risk of stopping before they've even started. There's simply so many obstacles to contend with. Time constraints, writer's block, not having enough ideas, having too many ideas, or maybe just good old fear of failure. A lot of self-doubt came in. If you can do anything to avoid them, you're doing it right. 
This might mean writing a whole novel in one sitting, or it might mean working on it for eight years. It might mean writing a novel that can hardly be defined by any sort of genre, or it might mean writing to market. The only way to overcome those obstacles and actually write is to get to know yourself and figure out what works for you. It is, after all, your story. There is no one way to do the job. Besides, I never really understood why a book finding readers or a rock star finding fans or a podcast finding listeners was seen as selling out or as style over substance, or as quantity over quality. It seems to me that finding an audience is an artistic quality in and of itself. And so I have my desk in the middle of the room, and on the opposite wall, my mother, uh, one of her hobbies, she's a wonderful watercolor artist. And she did a watercolor of my first book, Moonshine and Magic, and, and had it framed, and that was my gift when I came home. So it, it's hanging right across from my desk so that every time I look up, I see that watercolor. And, um, and, and it inspires me because I have to say, my parents were not reading my romance. <laughs> but they are, reading, they are reading my cozy mysteries. <laughs> there you go. Brought to you by Readsy, this is Best Seller. Over the course of this season, we'll follow an indie author's journey from start to finish in five chapters, exploring each step it takes to turn a collection of ideas in your head into a published book. Next up is Season 2, Chapter 2, The New World. This episode was written, hosted, and produced by me, Casimir M. Stone. If you liked it, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Our guest for this season is Jen Falls a.k.a. Bella Falls, author of the Southern Charms Cozy Mysteries series. You can purchase her books on Amazon or on her website at bellafallsbooks.com. And you can follow her on Instagram or Twitter at bellafallsbooks. That's B-E-L-L-A-F-A-L-L-S-B-O-O-K-S. This podcast, like so many self-published books out there, is made possible by Readsy, a marketplace that connects indie authors with the tools that traditional publishing houses would usually provide, such as editors, book cover designers, and publicists. You can learn more about Readsy on Instagram at Readsy underscore HQ, on Twitter at Readsy HQ, or online at R-E-E-D-S-Y dot com. 